I am covering a lot of the pre-IPO fundings for Bloomberg these days, and I notice there's a lot fewer of them. And I'm wondering, Matt, are you finding at the early stage that it's harder to raise funding as right now as well, or is it more of a growth stage issue? Yeah, I'm in the hot seat. Um, it's progressively harder the later you go. So I would say seed, you're still seeing a decent amount of fundraising, and that seems to be going uh, at a decent pace. The, there's not really a lot happening at Series A, Series B, but I would say even at the seed, you're seeing a good bit of slowdown as well. Um, and so, it, you know, when I speak to people, it feels like it's going to be slow throughout the summer, and, and maybe things will pick up in uh, in the fall. What would it take for it to pick up in the fall? Um, I think a number of things. I think a lot of times what happens, I mean, kind of with COVID, right? For the first few months, I think a lot of the uncertainty just kind of uh, people kind of freeze during uncertainty. And so I think as, as we start to, this becomes more of a steady state thing, I think is like the difference in expectations between how investors are thinking about where valuations should be um, and where uh, founders kind of adjusting from where things were a year ago. And that starts to equilibrate a little bit. I think the other thing is just companies right now don't want to go out and raise. VCs have been focused a lot on their portfolios. Um, and so they haven't been as active. Rounds have been taking longer. But inevitably, companies, they're going to need to go out. They're going to need to raise money. And so I think things will start to accelerate a little bit. And if you're a seed company, like you probably don't have this huge war chest where you, know, you, can, you can wait it, out for you know, several months. Whereas if you're a Series A or particularly like Series B and on, most of these companies now have like 24, 30 months of, of capital. So they can kind of wait out the fundraising for a while. So, Logan, would you find that companies are a little bit in denial right now? Sometimes founders are, um, you know, maybe unaware of the extent of the correction. Or are you finding that a lot of them have realistic valuation expectations? I think it depends. I think there's a whole cohort of companies that raised last year that have raised at pretty high valuations. And those folks don't need to worry that much about fundraising because they have more than enough cash. Um, and then I think there are a group of companies that do need to raise now-ish, and they're partially being jerked around by the venture capital community who doesn't know how to value businesses anymore. Uh, the, the late stage, uh, or the public stuff, is down 60 70%. And so if you raised a round last year, you're, you might not be able to clear that round from a price standpoint uh, this year. And so how do you actually go out and figure out what price are you willing to accept? And I think you're seeing a widespread of like, what one firm will tell you you're worth 500 and another firm will tell you you're worth 200. And so the process gets dragged out as you're really doing price discovery. And so to Matt's point, I think once venture capital sort of decides what the new normal is, then I think it's going to be a lot easier for fundra uh, fundraises to happen. But entrepreneurs don't figure that out until VCs tell them what they're willing to invest at. And so it's a little bit of a chicken and the egg thing right now. Is it better to raise a down round or a flat round with like liquidation preferences and lots of stuff? Uh -huh. <laughs> Neither. Um, I, I would say that uh, at some point there's going to be a founder that uh, is the one that says, hey, 
down rounds aren't the end of the world, and we're gonna we're gonna do it. We got in front of our skis, and we're gonna be the one to, to lead. Much in the same way, I think you saw I don't know Brian Armstrong take his stance on what could be talked about in the workplace, right? And right or wrong or whatever you feel about that, there's one person that's out there and did that and led for anyone else. And Toby from Shopify decided to do it, and there were others. And so I think you'll see one founder go out there and say, hey, we're just gonna take a down round, and it's not the end of the world. Um, when that happens, I think it's gonna be a lot easier for other people to do it. And so I would skew err on the side of taking a down round rather than getting complicated structure. But it's also just a perception thing with companies and yeah. the, the rank and file employees. Beth, are you finding certain sectors are having a harder time than others? Or some, you know, there's more investor enthusiasm. I know crypto's been hit particularly hard. Um, I mean, you know, which, which sectors are yeah. you finding are having a more challenging time versus others? So beyond crypto, I, I think it's really across the board, and you have to think about, you know, you as a founder, there's all kinds of challenges that you have as a founder. So, you know, if you don't have product market fit, you're gonna make adjustments. You know, in the last couple of years, we had, um, it was much more difficult to hire people, so you had to think about, you know, how to hire people in a different way or pay them more. And now we have this challenge that capital is harder to get and is more expensive. So as you think about that, every company has to be rethinking their strategy and their and their budgets because they were planning for this in 2021 when this wasn't the reality. So if you're not really rethinking where you are and how much you're spending and what the strategy is, you're probably doing your company a disservice. Uh, and so that's, I think it's across the board. Everyone needs to be doing it. It's gonna affect every single sector. Are there any particular sectors you guys are most excited about investing in right now? Um, so we haven't stopped investing. I mean, we're you know we're we're at the same pace, and you know we're we're super excited about consumer. You know, obviously there's um, uh, you know supply chain and the commerce infrastructure space around the consumer industry. So we're just you know we're moving ahead. Billy, would you say that the era of founder friendliness is, is over? I know that a lot of times in the past, VCs were all you know, fighting each other to be the most founder friendly, but now um, it seems like the dynamics are shifting at least somewhat. What, what do you think, where are we at? Well, I think over the last two, three years, VCs had to do with what they had to do to win. It was, it was a game of winning, it wasn't a game of picking. And so, yeah, I think VCs um, probably uh, were more loose with what they were willing to uh, concede on. I think in this environment, we're going to go back to a more traditional approach of, you know, rolling up your sleeves, doing the hard work, and picking great companies. And uh, uh, it, it's just going to be a lot less competition for uh, capital. And um, I think venture investors are going to go back to, you know, doing the hard work and looking for great opportunities. Is now even a good time to raise? I mean, it, would you advise a company to go out in this environment, or would would it be better to wait for, you know, some better time? Well, the question is, we don't know. Oh, sorry. We, 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 we don't. No, I agree. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. No, go ahead. Yeah, yeah, we don't we don't know if there's going to be a better time in six months. I mean, I think that's a big question. Um, you know, some companies don't have the choice; they're they have to go out and raise. But if you can figure out a way to 
give yourself some runway and get more runs on the board, you know, this is the time to do that. I wouldn't raise right now. Yeah. I, I just, if only, you might raise at a lower price in six months, but at least then it will be a more efficient process yes. and everyone will have agreed, hey, this is what a Series A is, this is what a Series B is, this is what yeah. a Series C is, and you're not gonna get jerked around. Right now, I think the spreads of prices are just so high and some people, aren't investing and they're taking the summer off. Some people are uh, very active and trying to figure out who is actually doing what and what they're yeah. willing to value companies at, I think is just, it's murky right now. And so if you, if you have the choice, I would wait till after Labor Day. If you don't, go raise, get money in the bank, survive, live to fight another day. Yeah. But if you do, I would wait till after Labor Day. So, and this could be for anyone, but how do you go about valuing a company right now in this difficult environment? I mean, you know, with public stocks being down, um, you know, some are using those as, as comps, but, you know, sometimes it's not so clear. So how are you determining what to value these companies at? Um, <laughs> I think it depends on the stage of the business. And so I think at the later stages, um, you know, I think what was happening is people were like, oh, there's so many companies that are going to be worth 10, 20, 50 billion dollars. And so companies that had a few million dollars of ARR could raise at 300x ARR, you know, um, 400, 500x. So these companies were getting raised at a billion. And if you're a venture investor, that means you think this company's going to be worth 10, 20, 30 billion when the markets get crushed. And then you kind of like quality of earnings and good companies and bad companies really start to separate themselves. I think it puts a lot higher bar for a company to start raising, you know, kind of above a billion or starting to touch that. At the earlier stage, um, what people used to, early stage investors used to always solve a lot for ownership. They wanted to own 15, 20% for a Series C, uh, Series A business. That kind of started to go out the window. And, and as Vili said, it was just about winning. And so you would do a Series A where you may only have 10, 12% even like seven, eight percent ownership. And what we saw was founders seem to be solving a lot for not valuation as much as dilution. Um, and so I think it's kind of those two things. I think we're starting to regress back to uh, early stage investors are once again kind of asking for 15 to 20 percent. And then on a later stage on an absolute dollar basis, you're like, okay, there's not many businesses that are worth more than three or four billion dollars. And so like, how am I gonna make my you know, five to 10x on this. And so I think that's pulling the valuations down at that end. So there's been a bit of a talent crunch. I know that's maybe easing a little bit, partly due to layoffs, but how do you go about finding talent in this environment when everyone has a war chest of capital for that? Well, that, that's partially why I continue to be actually optimistic about the environment, yeah, we're gonna go through a speed bump here and we're gonna see some slowdown, and, but then eventually it's gonna settle. And I think the reality, the, I think the talent crunch is not gonna go away. Part of the reason I'm so optimistic about where we are is even if we go through a difficult economic environment, uh, nobody's confused what the drivers of growth in the economy are. Regardless of what industry you're in, technology and software are gonna to continue to be the, uh, the vector of differentiation, whether you're in banking or insurance or logistics, it doesn't matter. And so I think both there's a lot of capital on the sideline and I think 
we all know where the puck is going from a macro trends perspective. So we're going to continue to invest in technology companies. I'm quite optimistic, which also means this, there's going to be an endless and infinite demand for especially technical talent uh, that can uh, build these companies. So I don't think we're going to be, uh, we're, we're going to see a lot of talent looking for opportunities. And so um, has remote work made it so that, you know, companies are going to continue to hire from everywhere or are some of your startups saying actually we want some people to be back in person? It's definitely an existential crisis. I mean, some companies have really thrived with the remote work and I don't think that remote work is going to go away. But in certain parts of the company and so product development and engineering and some others that need that creativity and that connectivity is important in some in, in some companies. And so a, a lot of our founders are struggling with how do we give people the flexibility that they they want but still keep that functioning group together in order to you know accelerate because there is like a common belief that if you are co-located it is a competitive advantage and so we might see more companies moving in that direction and so right now um, with no IPOs. <laughs> I mean, how concerned are your own investors and, uh, about you know being able to eventually provide liquidity? I know you guys invest on a long-term horizon, but um, have the LPs been spooked? As one of our partners always says, if you believe that the market's going to look like this in five years, ten years, like we should all just quit, like. The markets are going to, I'm not saying it's going to be like it was, but you got to believe that markets are going to open up and this is, it's a venture, it's a long-term hold. So I think you have to be very optimistic, long, medium to long-term or else we shouldn't be doing this is, is kind of my take. Yeah. Well, there's always been windows where it's easier to go out for an IPO and windows that are not. And so this is just another cycle that we're going through. So it will open up in time. Do you think we'll see more M&A? I mean, right, you know, last year I did stories like Clubhouse turned down $4 billion from Twitter. Are we going to see stories this year where maybe the bird in hand looks more attractive? Or are you finding that strategics are a little skittish? I, I think we definitely will. Uh, I, I think it's going to lead, my guess is here in the next couple months with, uh, with the public businesses. Um, you need to get to the point that your board has reckoned with what your new price per share is, right? Because six months ago you were trading at 60, 70% above that. And so I think the boards are now having those conversations of, hey, we used to be worth 15 times revenue, now we're worth eight times revenue. And if we can get 10, 11, 12 from an acquirer, then we will. And so I think that that internalization is happening right now. Now that in the public markets, you get mark to market every single day, right? And so there's thousands of people agreeing what it's worth and then ultimately the board says, okay, well, if this is what we're worth and this is what we're worth. In the private markets, I think it's gonna take a lot longer because there are those high watermarks from last year and one venture investor said, hey, we're worth a billion dollars. How are you willing to sell for 200 million if that's what you're actually worth? And so I think that's gonna take a lot longer, but my guess is, public company M&A is going to happen here in the next, I mean, you're starting to see little bits of it, but I guess in the next couple of months, we're yeah. going to see a lot more. But, but I also think companies are going to have a hard time fundraising. Yeah. And that'll, that'll ultimately lead to more M&A as well. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
And for larger companies, it's a great opportunity for consolidation. So, you know, as these prices are lower, getting some of those assets today versus later. I, I guess I'll be the contrarian on the stage <laughs> and suggest that in, these, in, in this type of environment, M&A tends not to pick up. Uh, buyers get skittish and, and afraid to take risks. And so I actually think um, it's going to be a very difficult M&A environment. There are not going to be that many deals that happen over the next 12 to 18 months or even 24 months. Let's talk backstage about how we make that bet, how, how you and I bet on that, right? We'll see. We'll see. But, but M&A, &A, other than in the public markets, is it's just it, it's quite difficult in technology it, it, despite what we read in the news the the number of our companies that actually get acquired and few and far in between and so i just don't think that's going to change in this environment i think we need to be building sustainable companies and businesses that do not require an exit and this is a good reminder that that's what we should be focused on. So if it is a difficult M&A environment, do you think we'll see more startups go belly up, like fast, a fintech company that had raised a lot of money and then, you know, shut down? That, that was an interesting one because uh, I don't really know how that happened. They ran so hard into a wall and ran out of cash. I think what's, what's more likely to happen is there's going to be layoffs and then, you know, uh, six months, 12 months later, there's a sale, right? Uh, like, I think that's probably going to happen more. I'm sure there'll be more situations like that that manifest themselves, but that seemed like a very unique set of circumstances where they were way out in front of their skis, yeah. burning way too much, not enough traction, market pulled back. Like, I, I would hope that we don't see too many more like that. I'm sure there will be some, but I think we'll see a lot more layoffs, you don't hear about the company for nine months, 18 months, and then suddenly they're sold as a bolt-on to some new company. I think that's going to happen a lot. But, but I think you did have a lot of companies that were fundraising and, and growing unsustainably. Those dollars won't be there, and so yeah. to Logan's point, those companies will have layoffs. Their growth won't be that great, and so they're going to be stuck. They won't go out of business right away. They'll probably have capital, but like, they're just going to be stuck, um, and they'll probably have to sell or go out of business at some point. Recently, there have been some CEOs that were replaced and you know, maybe they're moved to executive chairman or whatever, but are we going to see CEOs getting pushed out because of the difficult environment? I don't know if it's necessarily because of the difficult environment. There's always a natural progression. A lot of founders grow with the business, the company gets to a place where it's at scale, and it's you know, a natural place where a new CEO comes in to take it to the next level. So I think a lot of, uh, many of these like high profile CEOs who've gotten replaced, even if they might not have been portrayed in the press as this is what's happening, is generally what's happening. Is like they've done a really great job for where they are and now someone's coming in to take it to the next level. But there is a spectrum of a power balance, and I would guess much in this, like back to what Billy was saying earlier, I do think the power balance has shifted back. It was way on the side of the entrepreneur over the course of the last two years. It's going incrementally back to the investor, or at least a little bit of equilibrium. And so I hadn't thought about that. It wouldn't surprise me if we see more situations like that, but. But, but it's also, as a board member, the last thing anyone wants to do is push out a CEO because yeah. like, even if they're not doing that great of a job, it's so disruptive, you're probably not going to get a better CEO. So like, that is a last, last, last resort. And so I, 
to Beth's point, I don't think, I think it might on the margin accelerate, but it's still like not a good solution generally. So we're here in Toronto, and I know Billy is excited about the Toronto tech scene, so I just wanted to get a question in there about that. What is it about Toronto that excites you about, about the tech scene here? Can you repeat the question? I'm sorry. What is it about Toronto that you're excited oh, about here? Oh, of course. Well, listen, I've been excited about this ecosystem for since I became a VC six, seven years ago. Um, I think this, this ecosystem has so much going for it. It has the talent. It has the one North American market and access to you know, customers. You have uh, great universities. You have a very supportive government and tax system that incentivizes investments in R&D, uh, the Vector Institute, AI. I think there's just a lot going on here in Toronto, and I think it's a great ecosystem uh, to be looking at, which is why a lot of us are here today, is we think there are going to be great startups built in, in this community. All right. Well, thank you so much. Great to be here.